0: Welcome to Frustrated and Exhausted, the podcast for women in leadership, where I help you fulfill your ambitions without sacrificing your sanity or your resilience. Today I am delighted to be welcoming Jenny Jenkin to Frustrated and Exhausted. Jenny has had a long, rich and varied career in UK universities, both old and new. Most recently she was registrar at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine and earlier this year she left organisational life and retrained as a leadership coach, consultant and facilitator. Jenny has a passion, like me, for tackling gender and race equity She has a real fascination for power and politics in large organisations. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I know you'll enjoy it too. Sit back, relax and enjoy. It's a real pleasure to be here today with Jenny Jenkin. Welcome, Jenny. Um, In this episode, we are going to be talking about the stereotypes that women can face as they move into and as they progress through leadership roles and organisations. Jenny, it's really great to have you here today. Thank you for coming on the show to share some of your experiences and knowledge around this topic. It's one we could probably talk about for hours, I know. But just to get us kicked off, what sort of stereotypes have you encountered sort of, in the workplace?
1: Gosh, well, I mean, and and we're going back many years, Ruth, but I I certainly in my early days uh, as a junior administrator in the university sector, I guess I encountered it in ways that at the time I didn't see as stereotypical. So I would be patronized by male bosses, but I didn't realize it because I felt I was being graced with their presence. Uh, And (laughs) those early days when you're so keen to learn and eager to absorb knowledge, sometimes those subtle and frankly, not very subtle issues are quite invisible. And I think it's that invisible stereotyping that can be really problematic. I do recall, I think I was walking into the the vice chancellor's office at at a certain university to meet with the deputy vice chancellor. I think it was around some very exciting committee agenda. Uh, And he asked if I was the new temp. And I said, well. Well, no, actually, I'm here to brief you on the forthcoming agenda. And he looked very abashed. And actually, I think sometimes it's the ability to help others to spot their own stereotyping that is um, both the opportunity and more often than not, in my case, the missed opportunity. Because in the moment, you don't always quite get the right words at the right time. At that time, I did. And I'm sort of happy to say he never did it again.
0: So. <laughs> Lucky you! I, w- I must admit, I kind of I have kicked myself so many times over the years for those missed opportunities. I definitely relate to that particular example because, like you, I think for me it was more being assumed to be the note taker in the room. Mm-hmm as opposed to somebody who was actually at the table to have the conversation with some points to make. Mm. Um and I think that's something I'm sure a lot of people listening will relate to even now for sure. How do you see that sort of those sorts of behaviors and stereotypes impacting women in their careers? Mm. Mm. Well, I think that the most pernicious impact
1: is on our behaviours. So when we subtly absorb those stereotypes, we start to conform. We start to behave in ways that we perceive is expected of us. This is normal because as human beings, we try to slot in, don't we? We try to fit in with our friends and be part of a community. Don't stand out. It's quite uh, challenging, I think, to jump out of that. So confronting those stereotypes is difficult. And I think more commonly we start to change our behaviors, we become a little bit more apologetic. Mm. Uh, we we begin um, an email with, oh, I'm sorry to raise this, but and and, and instantly we've, we've got a slightly submissive sort of dimension. And I fall into this all of the time. Even now I, I actually make a point of rereading emails and rewriting them 10 minutes later because words matter and mm. the way that we use words to confront stereotypes really matters. So I think that it affects people's behavior. And I think it affects confidence, because we internalize some of this dissonance that's going on in our mind, gosh, they shouldn't treat us like this. Oh, but I better, you know, do the right thing so that it doesn't affect Mm -hmm. me in my career. There are ripples to those sorts of behavioral shifts. But I do recall, um, sorry, another anecdote from a, a while back in my career when I saw a job opportunity and it was a bit of a reach quite frankly but I was quite young and at that point I was reasonably fearless in, in thinking good lord I could I could do that job. I wrote to my my then male boss about this and he very gently and very paternalistically said well do you think that if you applied for that job Jenny they might think you were lacking in self-awareness and that was a bit wow. of a moment and I've never forgotten that that was that was 20 years ago. I remember it as if it was yesterday and that can affect you. And sometimes having those moments can shape the way that you go for other opportunities. And we know that women tend to make sure they meet every single detail of the person's spec
0: before absolutely. they apply for the
1: job in comparison to a male colleague who'll think, do you know, I, I can absolutely do that. And so we can self limit. I think stereotypes nudge us in that way don't they
0: oh definitely and i think it's really backed up in the research i mean there was a report this year from leanin.org and mckinsey that and to be honest this report they do it every year um it's called women in the workplace if md wants to look it up and it's shown year on year that the point in their careers where women fall behind in terms of progression and promotion, it's not actually further up the chain. The majority of women um, fall behind at the very first rung in the ladder, that first promotion Mm. that they're more hesitant about going for potentially or don't have the support to go for and therefore hold back. And that has impacts further down the line in terms of how early in your career you might hit a certain point or expect to hit a certain point um, on that kind of upward trajectory so it's really interesting yeah. what you're saying because i think i think when you're you're that slightly nervous way when you start your first role aren't you anyway in mm. those early roles and mm. if these are the stereotypes you're absorbing and you're seeing and you're adapting mm. your behaviour as you said to fit then you can understand how that happens and why it holds us back at that early point so absolutely and
1: and i think it gets compounded doesn't it later in life so with yeah. that very interesting point, Ruth, about, you know, your first step, you can be held back. Then you get this like compound interest on your mortgage, isn't it? Yeah. Um, every year that the impact of time out for caring responsibilities, whether that be childcare or other forms of caring, the cumulative effect is when you're at the the, the peak of your career, you're, you're going to be some years behind where you might have been had you not been the gender you were born. So it's it's really tough.
0: Yeah, it's hard going. You've given some examples of sort of some of the stereotypes that you've experienced personally in your career. What else have you seen around you that you've sort of absorbed at that point? Um, that's that's sort of potentially impacted you personally.
1: One of the interesting things is, and I I think I can look back on this now, you know, very late in my career, and, and see it very differently, and, and that's a bit of a a privilege. But um, certainly meetings committees, mm. having a, a voice around the table. I think I tend to have a slightly introverted approach at meetings. So if I've got something to say, I'll wait for the right moment mm. and I'll drop it in if nobody else is clearly jumping to get in before me. Generally speaking, if you look at the breakdown of who's talking at a meeting or a committee, the norm is that that men will tend to be more confident bringing forward their opinion. And I think what I've observed is very subtle ways in which women are slightly excluded from conversations at committee or meeting fora. Um, and and as I've got older and more confident, I felt more able to just hold my ground <laughs> and have that really uncomfortable moment where you, you actually talk over somebody that's trying to interrupt you. And that feels awful. You can feel it in your stomach, but it's a real joy and uh, <laughs> it, it can change things. It can make people think, oh, okay, that, that felt odd. So I think meetings are a real example, uh, Mm. and I think women finding their voice, me finding my voice, uh, some interesting things, some takeaways from that about the percentage of time women have the stage.
0: Yeah. I don't know if you've come across Mary Beards' uh book Women in Power uh, but I, and I I love it you're nodding furiously <laughs> um but I I find it so interesting kind of when you look back at how women's voices are perceived over time and how how that shows up now in meetings when Way, I remember being told to sort of think about the the pitch of my voice and you know, did mm. I want to deepen my voice to make it more authoritative and mm. all of these sorts of things so that I was heard in meetings. And um, it's a really difficult trajectory to kind of try and navigate because as you kind of move into leadership roles, the challenge is that a lot of the well, not in every organization, I will caveat slightly, but in many organizations and many environments. The stereotype that is held up as the kind of how to lead has traditionally Mm. been a male stereotype, masculine behaviours, even to the pitch of your voice and all of these Mm. things. And, you know, that shows up as you've just very eloquently described when you're sitting around the table being talked over, trying to get your point across. And, of course, we've all got that slight, Oh, but I want to be very polite about this. Yes, um, yes, at yes. times as well, and it's such a a difficult balance to find. How do you retain that essence of who you are mm. without being forced into an uncomfortable stereotype in order to feel like you belong? Mm. Gosh, and that—that's a huge. Yeah, sorry. <laughs>
1: And, but, but what a challenge because, mm-hmm. and, and I think we do, we subconsciously reflect on that through our working lives, don't we? How do I, how do I make impact at this next meeting? How do I prep to make sure I've got the right points at mm-hmm. the right time? And I think that we, we do get progressively better. Um, and I think that as I have moved more into the chairing role as a female leader, I've been able to use that consciously to better to manage the balance of the conversation. And I was just reading um another favourite book of mine, which is The Authority Gap by Marianne Seekart. I, I know it's it's a fantastic but and it's a very optimistic book. Mm. Um, and it makes a number of uh, really sound points about, you know, what can what can we do about this? Because it's fine to vent and get angry about it, but we need to have some agency, don't we? We need to know what we can do as as women and as parents and as partners and as members of society anyway the 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 most important one I think from from Marianne Seacart's uh, around meetings is put put a woman in the chair Mm. and see how that changes the tenor the hue the engagement um the balance and I think it's a simple easy organizational
0: shift to make and I wonder whether we could just put that out there yeah that would be great yeah I think women. And I'll caveat this one as well because where women are conscious of this and of the need to make space for other women's voices. Because I have also seen women behave quite poorly mm-hmm. towards other women yes. as well. <laughs> um, and I think that's a really but just the visibility alone of having mm-hmm. a woman in the chair, let alone the shift in behaviors that becomes mm-hmm. possible from that. Um, if someone is consciously using that position, as you've described, in order to make space for women's voices mm-hmm. to be heard. Um, yeah, that it's such a simple thing and yet it could have such mm-hmm. a profound impact on not just what the content of the conversations, but the quality of the conversations mm-hmm. and the very nature of them. Um, and even what gets put on the table to be discussed. Amazing. Actually, that's that's so true, Ruth. And also what gets dropped off the agenda for, yeah. because
1: you've run out of time. Yeah. It's how those, those conversations are prioritised. Absolutely key. Yeah. I agree.
0: What would your key piece of advice be for women who are kind of setting out on this leadership journey now and thinking about how do i get my ideas across how do i get my voice heard how do i stop myself being drawn into these stereotypes and behaving in a particular way you know that isn't really me Mm, mm, what mm. would you say to them
1: i think i think the first thing is just don't get overwhelmed by it and feel that there's nothing you can do that you're Mm. just a A speck on the surface of the ocean, and nothing you do can change things. Because what I have absolutely learned is that every tiny action we have creates a ripple effect. You might not see it, it might not even ripple back to you, but it does make a change. So, subtle, really small changes, things that you feel comfortable doing are worth doing. So, it might be just saying, Okay, I've got this meeting coming up. When person X interrupts me, I'm going to make a conscious effort not to stop talking and I know I'll feel uncomfortable, but what's the worst that's going to happen? And I think if you can take your courage and try it out gently in safe contexts, then your courage can grow. And, and then your influence grows. And as women's influence grows in the workplace, then the ripple effect gets much more profound. So it's it's a slow, steady marathon it's not a sprint you don't have to achieve let's use the word gravitas you don't need that overnight (laughs) and in any event i would suggest it's not one to to race towards it's a (laughs) it's a gender-laden term but people get uh uh, advised to come with as you said ruth a lower pitch Mm. um, more gravitas and and that means generally operating in 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 a male stereotypical way so I think recognise the stereotypes exist, recognise you're not going to change the world overnight, but know that everything you do makes a difference. Use your power wisely. But most importantly as well, find people to talk to so you can get a different perspective mm. to build your own awareness. So I've had the benefit of some fantastic mentors and coaches and uh, from very early doors, a uh, female role models. She didn't know this until later in my career. <laughs> When I wrote to her and told her exactly the the role she played in my life. But she was she was the um she was the leader I wanted to be when I grew up. And yeah. uh she she embodied certain ways of being without losing who she was. Mm. And I never forgot that. And and that just stood me in good stead.
0: Yeah, I think can't underestimate the importance of role models and for therefore becoming a role model for other people as well mm. because no matter what stage you're at there will be someone sort of sitting further down the chain looking up to you thinking yes. oh wow is that is that how you do that job is that how you become that leader is that you know and and so kind of bearing having that in your mind as well and thinking about mm. what you also want to embody in mm. that position, I think, can be incredibly powerful because I think in those early leadership positions, it's quite, it can be quite overwhelming. And mm. it. I certainly found that it was only when someone further down the line, um, who was Mort Jr., said to me, you know, I really look up to you in what mm. you're doing, that it dawned on me that I was also a role model. I, I was too busy kind of looking upwards, I think, a lot of the time thinking, <laughs> I mean, to be honest, for me at that point, where were my role models? There were one or two, but not necessarily always that I aspired to be <laughs> like, I good Um, you know, and there just weren't so many women ahead at that time. So it, it's remembering that you, no matter you might not be way up the chain yet, but no mm-hmm. matter where you are, also a role model, I think is is so important. It's such an important point. So Jenny, just thinking about all of this, we've, we've covered quite a bit of ground already, just in terms of thinking about some of the challenges that the women face and, and some of the things that you've experienced personally and seen other people experience as well. What practical advice would you have for anybody listening to this who's in that position at the moment?
1: I think there's, there's all sorts of little things that we can do sort of day to day. So we talked about meetings earlier. Mm. And there's always a pot of coffee in the corner with the cups. The number of times I see the women go to the corner and start pouring coffee for others before themselves. I just sit down (laughs) and wait for somebody to say, would you like a coffee? And uh, it's, and it feels uncomfortable. Again, anything that feels uncomfortable, for me, that's a signal you're doing something mm. right, strangely. So don't pour the tea. And I would say, as, as well, the number of times we beat ourselves up when we leave a situation where we've obviously been subjected to some sort of really subtle mm. put down that's based on gender. And you can never think of the right riposte in the moment, can you? I mean, and then we leave the room and we judge ourselves yet again. It's a double bind. There are some fantastic reposts, just go online google reposts to sexist comments and avoid the rude ones but there are some great (laughs) ones read them have them ready for that moment you won't regret it (laughs) and (laughs) the 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 other thing I would say is just use humor because it's a great way of landing a message without people missing the message because their ego has been so damaged in the process Mm. I mean it's very rewarding to call somebody out and to shame them but the question is is that going to change their behavior and ultimately that's what we want mm. the use of humor deftly done can get people to realize when their behavior is just a wee bit out of line and they mm. remember it um can I can I throw in one anecdote which I absolutely love Go on. on this which <laughs> makes me chuckle every time so it's it's um it's, it's a member of my wider family and uh she was a a sound engineer, which is an unusual profession mm-hmm. uh for women to go into and quite male dominated. And she turned up for a contract, arrived in the meeting room, and the, the 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 male sort of client group arrived and manager said, Oh, great, could you just pop to costa? We'll have three capos, one almond croissant and a latte. Wow. And she yeah. sat and she thought, Okay, I've got a choice here. Uh The choice she made was to go down to Costa to get the order, to bring it back, place it in the middle of the table, paused for a few moments. The manager said, okay, I think we're waiting for the sound engineer. At which point she said, I am the sound engineer. And the look on his face
0: Mm.
1: uh, was apparently something to behold, but also the look on the faces of those who observed and witnessed this Mm. play out. And my guess is they won't have forgotten that. And that will play into their behaviours downstream. So everything we do makes a difference somewhere along the line. And that one, that's one of my
0: favourites. Yeah, that's a great anecdote. And <laughs> well done for her to just quietly making the point. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It takes quite a bit of courage to do that. Oh, calm, definitely. <laughs> definitely calm. I could I could feel my blood pressure going on her behalf. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, Jenny, just to... To sort of round us off a little bit, I've got a few little quick fire questions for you. <laughs> okay, ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Good. What's the best piece of advice anyone has ever given you?
1: Do you know? I think I think this is advice from my mum. Oh. As a child, when things are getting rough, and it's that fake Latin phrase. Let me get it right. Illegitimi non carborundum you know don't let them what? grind you down frankly <laughs> <laughs> and that that bizarrely has, has served me well but th- there's another phrase i suppose a, a sort of a phrase that goes through my mind when things are a bit tricky which is don't sweat the small stuff and it's all small stuff and and for me that says find a way to get perspective on this jump forward 5 years and look back on this moment does it look mm-hmm. different i think that's that's what i would say is,
0: been the most powerful for me personally yeah i can absolutely see how that would be next one best book that's made you sort of reflect on your own kind of personal growth and development gosh my own personal growth and development that's got to be without question
1: uh time to think by nancy klein oh so uh, <laughs> i can see that you know it Ruth. <laughs> yes and it's all about the human mind and how fantastic it is if we just pay it attention and mm. don't interrupt And for me, that plays in beautifully to the equity and equality agenda. If we just use some of Nancy Klein's fantastic advice about how to create the conditions for people to think beyond their wildest dreams, then equality and equity would just happen naturally and we'd all be having a fab time. So Nancy Mm -hmm. Klein, that is my favourite
0: reflective moving book. Wonderful. It is a fantastic read. I highly recommend it as well. Um, <laughs> all right. So you said there that um, the phrase around don't let them grind you down. When they have ground you down a little bit, because mm-hmm. it does Mm-mm. happen and we all kind of feel that at times. What's the best music for you to listen to to give you a lift? What lifts you back up? Wow. Okay. Now, <laughs> this may come as a surprise.
1: Um, but for me, it, it's Black Sabbath's "Heaven and Hell." Wow, it's okay. <laughs> you weren't you expecting it. Like... <laughs> you really weren't expecting It is music that that will take you on a journey up and down, and then to this swelling, fantastic dance finale. Um, and it is it just gets me every time.
0: Wonderful. Jenny, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts (laughs) with us today and for giving us your time. We're a busy lady. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Ruth. It's been a real treat. Thank you. So what are your takeaways from that conversation with Jenny? Well, for me, there were three things that really stood out in terms of what she was saying around how to navigate some of the stereotypes that we can get caught up in. The first one is to get support early in your career, um, whether that's working with a mentor or a coach or finding role models to look up to, and also sort of surrounding yourself with with cheerleaders, with people who can who can really lift you up and and help you maintain your your confidence. The second thing was really that not to let other people's perceptions of you stop you applying for those first promotions. You know, Jenny gave that anecdote about what had happened to her? The of her boss putting it off, applying for for a first promotion. So you know, not to let that stop you, um, because as I kind of pointed out, all the research shows that that first rung on the ladder is the one that's most broken for women. It's where we fall behind fastest in our careers and it can be the one that has the most impact in the long term so don't let people put you off applying for a role if you feel it's right for you and the third thing is that while being a woman in leadership can be a tough gig there is absolutely hope there are changes there are things that we can do in order to have more impact have more influence kind of use things like jenny suggested using humor to to sort of challenge people in in a way that they might hear that challenge and reflect on their own behavior and change that behavior potentially so while it can be tough there is always hope and we can do things to have more impact and to increase that impact going forward Thank you for joining me for that episode with Jenny Jenkin. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you would like to connect with Jenny after the show, you'll find the link in the show notes. Look forward to speaking to you again next week, where I'll be talking about finding energy when you have none. Speak to you then. Thanks for listening to this episode of Frustrated and Exhausted. Hit the follow button for future episodes. You can also follow me on Instagram at Resonate Leadership and LinkedIn at Ruth Alexandra Wood. I'd absolutely love to hear from you. Frustrated and Exhausted is brought to you by Resonate Leadership and the wonderful team at the Podcast Boutique. I'm your host, Ruth Wood. Take care and speak to you soon.